Amen. But today I see this church is growing, but you know, there's open chairs, and I hope and I pray that God will send new sheep as well to fill these empty churches. Amen. Amen. I will, I will speak on John chapter 3 this morning, and so I will talk about being born again, or you must be born again. So now there was a Pharisee. A man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Is what Nicodemus asked. Surely his argument is they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water in the Spirit. And verse 6 flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying says the Lord, you must be born again. And the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asked then, how can this be? Nicodemus asked, you are Israel's teacher, say Jesus, and you do not understand these things. And verily, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have seen. But still you people, he's talking now, referring to the Jewish people, do not accept our testimony. And I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses said, Jesus lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world, this is the gospel, that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, even if the world is so evil and wicked, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, says the Lord this morning to you as well. Whoever does not believe, he also says to you, stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Thank God for the reading of the scripture. And I hope already the Holy Spirit is blowing into your heart in the name of Jesus. So I will go to the next slide. Right, that's the next slide. And it's talk about you must be born again. Let I first say this is a message for every individual. If there's anything that should have deserved and be awarded a Nobel Prize, it's the saying here. Amen, that you must be born again. And this is for all uh, nations and all people in all languages of 
every individual from whatever nation, people, or ethnicity, he must be born again to enter God's kingdom. And this is, of course, the gospel that we need to take out to the world, that you must be born again. Because except a man be born again, he will not enter God's kingdom. Amen. And of course, there is red and gray areas. What happened to a person that is born in Delhi? What has happened to the person that is born in China, etc.? You know, God handled those matters, but we have received the scripture that says you must be born again. So what does born again implies? According to my reasoning, and I write the notes down because I taught, man, I cannot even think and remember, so let I just put the notes down. And, you know, wherever there is something I will add, I will add. But it implies that we need another beginning. You need another beginning. And I, and I assume that is also what Nicodemus was thinking. Right? And uh, we need another beginning. We must start over. You know, we're just dealing with, with the concept of being born again. Because the first birth, if we talk about born again, then it means there's something wrong with the first birth. It's not acceptable or good enough. We need a different origin perhaps. Maybe it's in Nicodemus' mind when Jesus said, you must be born again. Because clearly he's an old man. Uh, and from a different life. Since the one that we came from is not acceptable because you must be born again. So we need a different origin and a different life in order that we will be acceptable. And I think Nicodemus think because he's old... To go back in mother's womb is not impossible. I mean, it, it cannot happen. It is impossible. So where does it leave me then? Right? If I cannot, and because his concept is but birth. So where does it leave me? Because he's an old man like me. You know, I cannot go back. My mother is, is dead already. <laughs> right? It's even worse. So, uh, uh, so... So we need to start over a new life, new beginning, new birth, because they cannot enter for a second time into this mother's womb. In fact, he himself is already too old. So now his question, of course, is how can this be? So Nicodemus received it's too late if that is required to enter the kingdom of God. And you can imagine if he just sticks with the physical, biological concept of being birthed, then what is the hope for me and for the rest of us? So you must understand now that this man had these questions because he was hearing and listening to Jesus preaching and he is now searching for an answer to this thing. Because knowing and perceiving that you come from God and you are telling me this, he tells me this is a very important thing that needs to occur in your life. So I need to search and figure out what must I do and what must happen for me to transit. So he had serious concerns about this. And sometimes it sounds dumb because he was referring, should I be born again, etc. But this is real questions, you know. So the take home from this first concept that I do is we need another chance actually. It is what Jesus maybe wants to tell him.
you will get another chance as well. And that's why Jesus said, we must be born again even if you are, even if Nicodemus was a devoted Jew. But the kingdom is for all. And why I say that? Because Jesus said, John 3 verse 16, for God to love the world. But why I said is this was a Jewish guy. And they think they were the only chosen people. And God's kingdom is for them. But Jesus said, no, this is for all. If you read Revelation 5, where the Bible said that Jesus has purchased men from every language, nation, tribe, people, it is for all. Amen. We go to the next slide. Born again of water. So, so, so Jesus bring this concept of being born again. And then, of course, Nicodemus asked him, but how can this be? So Jesus elaborating again on born again of water and spirit. So born again, the, the born again idea for me is basically it entails born of water and born of the spirit. Right? Because some people, they thought that being born of water refers to natural birth. You know, because when the lady break fluid, the omnotic fluid break because the baby is pressing now against the omnotic sac and then of course water breaks, they think that's the indication. But when Jesus explained the concept of born again, he elaborated on it in the terms of it must be through water and spirit. So born again means born of water in the spirit. And today, of course, we are following up with this in terms of baptism, right? But baptism is a very serious thing, and we think it's just water, and we're going to put you in water and lift you up. But actually, it has a great significance. In the book of Mark, the book of Mark, which is one of the oldest books considered, it starts with the chapter where John the Baptist is going to baptize Jesus. And when he baptized Jesus, the Bible said, heaven was open do you understand and it happens after he was baptized baptized is significant because it is also a command that Jesus said go he preach to all creation and if they believe baptize them it's a command of Jesus that we need to execute because it says something right water of course is the symbolism of cleansing of course, we know this water that we're going to put you in doesn't clean you at all. Amen. You've already had the sour, so you are fixed. Amen. So this water is, but it symbolizes something. You see, when we baptize, the Bible said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And of course, the apostles went also and baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ as well. Do you understand you identified with Jesus Christ? You see, the name of Jesus is significant in a believer's life. You see, Paul said in Philippians 2, or yes, Philippians 2, I think he said, every knee shall bow in the name of Jesus. Every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. This is your point of worship. So the name of Jesus is not likely. He said, you will pray now, and if you ask the Father anything, you will give it. In my name, if you ask it in my name. He said, you will cast out demons in my name. 
The angel said to Mary, you will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save your people. That's the name of Jesus, people. That's the name the Bible said and all who call on the name of Jesus, they shall be saved. You need the name of Jesus in your life. It is not just a name that is an ID name. Amen. But it's a name that will deliver you. It's a name that God listened to. It's a name that Bible, the Bible said when Jesus was baptized and heaven was still open, the spirit is in. And in said, he said to Jesus, in you I am well pleased. This is the name that shall be exalted or must be exalted in your life. John the Baptist said, let I decrease, but let him increase. Man, there is power in the name of Jesus. If you, man, we exalt people's name. We lift up people. But do you ever lift up the name of Jesus? Can you stand for this name? Jesus is calling you this morning to accept this name in your life. This name is alive. This name, when this name is called, when you call upon this name, heaven listen. Heaven listen. Because there's something more about this person carrying this name. What has Jesus said? I came in the name of my Father. Amen. He came in the name of the Father. Even the Spirit, he said, will be sent in my name. Bowing in the name of Jesus, people, is worship him. Bowing in the name of Jesus is saying something great about this person. He's not just a person. He's not just a person. But as we look further, we will see what Jesus wants from this. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we go to the next slide? So being born again is you must be born of water in the spirit. Right? We will deal maybe later with the spirit. Or let us stick with the spirit quickly. It is so important that what is born of the spirit is spirit. You know why? Because we are born in the Bible call us now later. There's a verse where I say flesh. I'm jumping around now. Amen. I'm jumping around. I'm doing what my executive team have done on Friday. He said he got five points. But today I will start with number five as my first point. You know, and uh, I do this in class as well, you know. Uh, because you feel maybe this is the tone. So anything of flesh is flesh and what is spirit is spirit. Our flesh is dirty. Our flesh is dirty. Amen. Because there's an evil one that has so wickedness into our lives. Amen. That's why we pray that our Father prayer, deliver or protect them. Also Jesus pray from the evil one. So we know according to Mark 7 verse 21 or 22, Jesus say, uh, what, what comes out of man defiles him. So in our flesh, there is things that we have born from mother's womb. That there is in our hearts, is in our nature. He said, from men's heart come evil thoughts, deceit, malice, adultery, immorality. This is in our lives. You know, you are capable of doing it regarding the temptation. This is what we are sitting with here, all of us, and I'm standing here preaching from this pulpit. It is in our hearts. It is able, and therefore... Keep me away from the temptation. He said, uh, deliver me from evil. Lead me not, you know, into temptation. Because we are born with this thing in our flesh. If you read Mark 
7 verse 21 or so, he said, what makes a man is those things that's coming. Amen. That is in our heart. And so the flesh can never please God. There is something in the flesh which is called transgression in iniquity. Right? We have iniquity, transgression. You know, when we break certain things, you transgress. But iniquity is the deep thing that people doesn't see. But which is in us. Amen. The iniquity. You know, we can, we can we commit those sins. We can desire looking to a person to commit adultery or have sexual uh, feelings or desires for that person. And perhaps if you are married with another wife, with another person, these are our iniquities that are in us. And it will be forever in your flesh until Jesus came and changed this corruption. But yet, therefore, therefore Jesus came. Therefore, Isaiah prophesies and say, He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. Jesus has taken that place because you cannot. I cannot. Amen. Because I will forever be, you know, with my iniquities until he delivers me. Amen. I was 14 years old and I used to say the word under school assembly. Right? Preach under school assembly. The principal always asked me to preach. And so I was talking about obedience that day. I'm not saying I heard a voice, but it's a voice. But, you know, these thoughts come up. You are very young and you talk about these things. I'm going to get you. I was standing in front of the assembly. God is faithful. God, he that was wounded for my transgression in his iniquity, if you keep your faithfulness to God, he is faithful to you. I have seen how God walks you out of a room. You know, you needed to commit a crime or so. But God is gracious. God is gracious. But he took up the penalty that was destined for you. I want to say quickly another story. Man, I'm going to preach long. It's this thing. You know, what happens? Who, 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 who defile us? Now, in Ezekiel, there's a thing that says, now this is my opinion, right? In science, if you don't know Firmly, you say, we speculate, we hypothesize, you know. They, they teach us to protect ourselves. So don't get, get behind the pulpit and you fall overwhelmed and you say, this is yeah and amen. Be careful. Speak like a man also. Right? God speak like God and you speak like a man. Amen. So, yeah. So there was a story, Ezekiel 28, where the Bible talked about Lucifer. You know, he brought these things in our flesh. But, you know, I'm speculating today. Uh, Dr. Bandara, he's a theologian, he's, he's going to get me after this. <laughs> and uh, an uh, engineer, theologian, sorry, don't let I strip him from his credentials. <laughs> and uh, Ezekiel said about Satan, but Satan was not always, or let me say Lucifer, he was speaking about Lucifer in Ezekiel 28, from, I think from verse 13 or so. He said, Thou was in the garden of Eden and when he described Lucifer at that stage he was talking about righteous Lucifer the anointed syrup Lucifer was the anointed syrup you get the syrup but he was the anointed syrup you get prophets and da 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 Jesus was the Messiah he was anointed for that that means you distinctive you are consecrated you know 
you, you stand out. And the Bible gives us more description of how this angel was created. He talks about all, the, all the, the stones that he was, that was in his makeup, in his anatomy. And all those, those, those precious stones talk. You know those precious stones, they are in the New Jerusalem. So you must, that's why the Bible called this angel, he was beauty, he was perfect in beauty. Right? He was perfect in all his ways. He was full of wisdom. Right? Not perfect, he was full of wisdom. Now Ezekiel said, you were in the garden of Eden. Now this is God's garden. Right? Eden is called the garden of God. Specific. Now I'm not sure. They say the function of syrup is to make, they are announces of the presence of God, etc. I'm not so sure, but you know, you can correct me. So it means whenever God will visit Adam and Eve, because we know, we realize there is an indication in Genesis when he said, of course, when they sin, they realize also God is coming. So maybe God used to visit them. And maybe Lucifer would always also have access to this garden. Because that's why the Bible said, when Ezekiel talked about Lucifer, he was talking about righteous and brilliant, the morning star which he was. He was not talking about falling Lucifer. He was talking about the angel in heaven, etc., and with God. So when he said Lucifer was also in Eden, why I'm talking about he was also in Eden? We know God has planted this garden. But we know in the middle of the garden there was a thing called the knowledge of good and evil. I'm saying I'm going to speculate, right? <laughs> right? So that means I don't say it is yeah and amen. But then the Bible go on after they talk about the brilliance of this angel. The Bible said in, until iniquity was found in you. What if course? There was a causative thing, of course. What if course? Lucifer also. The Bible doesn't say this, right? The Bible doesn't say this. The Bible only said Adam and Eve have eaten. Right. But God also found out that there was iniquity in you as well. Where did you get it? Of course, that was before Adam and Eve fall. I'm not saying this. This is my speculation. I wonder if Lucifer also ate secretly. And then God find. Because this tree of knowledge and evil, has, if you eat from it, you don't have the capacity to act in the righteous way of God. You can know what is wrong and right. But you don't have the ability to stay righteous in that. And it seems like every creature, if he touches it, this is your doom. So I'm speculating. I wonder if he also put out his hand and eat and later discover. Because then you can see what happened after if he eats. Oh, no. I don't say if eat, I speculate. But you can see when Isaiah then described him, he said, Oh, thou have said, thou have, thou have brightened the heart. Now I can go up to heaven and I can be like the Most High God. Then we hear the sinful nature coming out. His wisdom is now corrupted with this new knowledge that he supposedly have received from this tree of knowledge and good and evil. And so we talk about, now this angel we talk about as Satan, right? So I'm not sure if God has created Satan perhaps, and Satan have deceived this angel, so that this angel take up the name of Satan and the character, or Satan now take his name as Lucifer, 
and take up his character. There's the possibilities, right? That's why I'm speculating. <laughs> right, guys? Leadership, I hope I, I will not be removed from the pulpit next time. So, 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 now, now that is what I'm saying. Now he came to Eve. And he said, uh, uh, did God also say that? Man, don't worry. If I speak too long, I will not go to others' line. Don't worry. I, I, I need to lecture 45 minutes or an hour, right? So, uh, then I switch off. So he goes to Eve now, right? And he goes to Eve. I'm standing there because I'm old and my stomach is empty. I get me tired. So, so he's going to Eve, right? And uh, he said, did God also say you cannot, etc. But everything that Lucifer is telling Eve is actually correct. It's true. Surely you will not die because Eve then responded, yes, God said, we must eat, da, 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 but we cannot eat from this tree. That is also correct. And then he said, surely you will not die. Exactly. Because I was wondering, he tasted of the food perhaps, and he knows, no, you will not die. But of course, he didn't tell them what's the consequences of eating from this, you know, of the corruption and the defilement that's coming. And of course, Eve eat, and so they discover they are naked. This is Lucifer also discover, I can be like God. So I can always sing to heaven and throw him out. And yes, so my speculation is perhaps maybe this is what have happened, but where the Bible is quiet, we speculate, right? Don't go and say, man, this is now another verse. No, we only believe what is written, okay? But we have... There is a verse that written say he was also in Eden. And we don't know, of course, how Lucifer was corrupted. Right? Because we know he was perfect and clear. But later, he adapted the character and the nature of Satan. And how this happened, the Bible is very quiet about that. But I was just thinking, I wonder, you know, because he fooled us into it, if he was not the first eater. And so he was corrupted. And he corrupted our that we are now considered flesh as well. So flesh is not this person, but flesh is also what Jesus say. You know, there is wrong things in our, in our hearts, etc. And we are not perfect, right? And uh, that's why I don't stand here condemn, condemning you, because Jesus, if we have read, if you believe, you will not be condemned. Because Jesus has carried that condemnation. Because he said the peace or the chastisement for your peace was upon him. And that is exactly what it is. This conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus was a nice, cool conversation. You know, I hope I'm doing it cool. And so that they, so that they can figure out what they, they must do. And this is a simple thing. The simple thing, right? Like uh, on... Our sister, our beautiful sister, our nurse and sister in the church, full Philippine, have mentioned some verses last week about plowing the heart, breaking up the heart, you know. But yet, Jesus say, so now we see that the flesh is so contaminated because God throws Satan out of heaven and said, you are, O Lucifer, that you become now satanic, out of heaven, and, you know, so there's nothing good in the flesh. You mustn't boast in fleshly things. Jeremiah said, let the wise not boast in his wisdom. Let the rich not boast in his riches. 
And let the strong not boast in his strength. But let he that boasts boast in this, that he understands the Lord, you know. That the Lord exercise kindness, righteousness, etc. If you have things in life, please, God will give it to you. If it doesn't seem like that, because you have spent energy on it, don't lie. Right? I'm telling you today, if you don't know, don't lie. God will give you everything. You just don't know it, you know. He deals with you so special because he wants you to feel special. But he's working things out for you. And if you get it not in the right way, go back and do what the rich young men do. Go shout everything. <laughs> it's the gospel. Right? So, so what I'm saying today is there's nothing good in the flesh. And so, but we can see that the body still remains corrupted. That's why we're dying. We go to, if Jesus doesn't come in the next 20, 50 years or so, I will be gone. You know, goodbye. <laughs> and you will also follow later. You know, in the next 100 years, I think, or the 200 years, we will die because we have a penalty that we need to pay for. The physical body is destined to go to the sand where it comes from. But we also know that the body was eventually also dead. When God created Adam, the body that he created was dead. was just dead. So it's fine. God have another solution. I will give you one day to some other body. But something else happened, of course. The day when we eat, we didn't die physically. But, you know, so the issue is where spiritually I think we died in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. We broke the connection. And now he said, spirit must give back spirit again. So our born again must come through the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Jesus said, how does it work? The same principle in terms of natural birth. You know, you as a baby didn't know mommy and daddy was together for you. Right? They, you just saw the day when you were born. Here am I. So we didn't know. We were not involved in it. And so Jesus also said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. We don't dictate or control this thing. Born again by the Spirit comes by God's Holy Spirit. In John 4, the Bible said God is looking for people for true worshipers. And what is the end? What is this? What is the thing of true worshipers that they must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for you. And it's not that God doesn't know you sit today here. He knows you're sitting there. Right? But it's like God is wanting you to come. He's looking for you. He's wanting you to come this morning. The wind blows through you. You might sit here. And you might... You know, there's another verse. Maybe it goes to the next verse quickly. Childlike virtues. This verse is very consistent what he said. You must be born again. He carries the same way. He said, if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you will not also enter in it. You see, as adults, this doesn't say, of course, leave your adulthood. But there is experiences that you have grown and developed. We grow on university. In my first year, I discovered this university is going to mold me. 
to become a very selfish person and a very independent person. You know, me and my friends, we discovered we were born again because the way things just automatically saves you. Now society and cultures have saved us. Have saved us. They've grown us up. Your language. That's why the Bible said he called men or people from the language. These are shapers of your flesh, of your personality. They have saved you. Jesus is saying, I call you. Revelation said he called men from language, from nation, from ethnicity, from. You must have a new identity in Jesus Christ. So childlike virtues, children are very open. They might be stubborn, but of course, if you just raise your voice, they are humble. They are humble people. You must humble yourself. Right? You must humble yourself. You sit there and you feel you know it, you know it by you all. This is a Pharisee. Right? Let us jump again. This person is a Pharisee. Is there a slide on the Pharisee? Quickly, this person is a Pharisee, a member of the Jewish ruling council. The ruling council is the council that that, that governs the civil laws, the religious laws, the legal laws of the nation of Israel. He's sitting there. A Pharisee, if you read the Bible about the Pharisees, these guys wanted to kill and destroy Jesus. They are called hypocrites. Jesus and John called them hypocrites. These, this council and these Pharisees, they plot to kill Jesus. They, 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 they reach consensus to kill him. So Nicodemus came at night, you read. So I'm sure, because he knows the evil intent that they have against Jesus. Although the Pharisees, they believe certain, they believe in Moses, they believe in angels, the law of Moses, and afterlives, and also the traditions of men they have. And Jesus has rebuked them because they uphold the traditions of men to the expense of God's word. They will tell a, a, a boy that wants to work for his parent, no, cobalt, no, you are a gift to God. So they don't align to serve his parents, but come and give us. That's how they nullified the word of God, where the Bible said, it's the law, honor your parents. So this was this background. Who are you today? What is your background? Do you feel you are as innocent as a child and you don't need Jesus? You don't know. There was a man, he was blind and he was sitting. The Bible says we can hear the sound of the wind. There was a blind man, he heard Jesus was coming. And what did he shout? Have mercy on me. This is what God wants from you. Just say, have mercy. Whatever you think you have accomplished, you might have a lot of strings also attached to your life that say, how am I going to get out of this? You know, last week I made a confession of an issue because I was not happy. This was a friend, I, I knew him from South Africa, but we went abroad and studied. He went to study in Belgium and I in Holland. And we became brothers there. You know, when he would leave me after he visited me for a week, I would felt so sad. But so we returned, of course, to South Africa. Tarata, I went to go and work at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, and I stayed in Durban for about 10 years. And then 
he asked me to give him a reference letter. And the reference letter is he want to take children out from the orphan houses and get them to a, a, a Christmas meal or so. Now, I was like Nicodemus. I analyzed a lot of things. I said, what happened if these children run away? And I said, you must look after these children. <laughs> and I was thinking, but I was getting advice of people who was looking after orphan children as well. My brother is a social worker. He's working with kids. He go fetch the kids at the court. I mean, and to get those kids there. He said, sometimes they jump out of the car or so. It's, you know, it's trouble kids. So I was thinking, man, no, I cannot commit myself. And I said, no. But Lester is a, is a person with values, etc. And this thing have hindered me. Have hindered me. And, you know, I said to my wife, I'm going to call Lester and I'm going to make this thing right. You know, and I feel also maybe the Lord said, I must do it. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm talking about myself. One day when I make a mistake, I will tell you. Don't worry. He is, you know, youngsters, I confess to my father as well. You know, you, you confess, you learn confession and repentance. That's true Christian. And we're not out for that. And uh, so I said, Lester, I phoned him, uh, Dr. Khamad, so I phoned him. And I said, man, I need to repent and confess before you. Because I, I said to him, he wanted to stop me and say, yeah, it's over, man. You know, colored way. Hey, lost I dung, man. I said, no. You know, I need to present myself because I've made an error. I said, I've done this. You have asked me for this. And I tell him, tell him, and you don't deserve the treatment. I also tell him I was not focusing on him. I was more focusing on what will the children do. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't deserve that. And so I confess before him. I said, I'm not apologize. I'm not saying sorry. I confess and I did wrong to you, etc. And it was done. You know, and this is what we must do sometimes. You know, our iniquities sometimes and our transgressions lead us sometimes to think. And Jesus said, if you hear the wind, you hear the sound, accept it. Don't worry. God will handle your matters. God will take care of you in the mighty name of Jesus. So even if you are a Pharisee, you see, Nicodemus knows about the kingdom of God. I'm going to end now. Is there a last slide here? Yes. Nicodemus knows about the kingdom of God. He knows God will have a kingdom. He knows the nation of Israel. They, they wait for the kingdom because they're waiting for the Messiah too. That will give them that kingdom. But Jesus is telling him, this, person, this kingdom is not national. This, this kingdom is not for a specific ethnicity. This kingdom is very personal. This kingdom is very personal. You as a person must come. You as an individual. When Israel was rebellious against God in, 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 in the wilderness, God sends a plague of snakes to bite them. To bite them. And God said, Moses, for them to be healed and to be cured, to be healed of this, you must erect a pole with a bronze snake. And if they look to that, they will be healed. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus the very thing. He said, you must lift up as Moses have lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So you must lift up.
meaning as an individual. In order to receive salvation and forgiveness, we need to always, you need to look up and believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. This is, the spirit blows, is for me a work of grace. I'm going to end now. It's for me a work of grace. And the spirit blows. The wind blows all over. And the sound you can hear is not always literally wind. But it's the preaching of the gospel. It's the sound of the spirit. And he wants you to say, have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy. And what did Jesus say? Ephesians tell us. This grace is freely given. Meaning you were supposed to, to suffer. But he took it up. And so he said, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The one he loves was Jesus. And he's given us that grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not yourself. So through faith today, if you put your faith in the cross, or the redemptive work of Jesus, the, the Lord, he will let you see and enter into his kingdom. So Nicodemus was searching for the kingdom. That's what the Bible says, uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and all his right and righteousness. And the kingdom starts with Jesus. Jesus wants Nicodemus to look beyond it. It was actually my first slide as well. When he said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom. Nicodemus is asking him about, uh, saying, I see your signs and your, and your wonders, etc. And Jesus just fall into it and say, no, 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 no. You know, you must be born again to enter God's kingdom. Jesus was, was introducing him as well to himself. Because Jesus is the entrance point to God's kingdom. To enter and to see it, you must be born again. So it doesn't mean you see signs and wonders and you attach and associated with that, that you are saved. You must have a personal relationship and a personal experience with the Spirit of God. Romans 3, he said, we are all justified freely. This is what the cross has done for you. You must just look this morning to the cross. You have been justified. Yes, you have done many things and you have committed many things, but you have been justified 2,000 or more than 2,000 years ago. Just come and accept your justification if you don't know Jesus this morning. And this grace that the Spirit will give you, it has a peer and it offers salvation to all people. Of course, you might sit here and you might not yet have accepted it. But according to the Bible, it has already been spoken. Amen. It has already been spoken to you this morning. It is freely yours. And it offers for you salvation. Don't lose this thing. Don't lose it. You must be born again. Salvation to all people. It teaches you to say no to ungodliness. This is the power as well of the gospel. The Bible, the Bible said the gospel is the power unto salvation. This is the power of it. It will teach you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. I say yes, it will. It is. God teaches you these things. Amen. He teaches you this thing. I know the Lord from the age of 12 years. Amen. He teaches you these things. He teaches you you cannot sleep with another girl. 
He teaches you this thing. And if you are weak, He delivers you because you don't have that will perhaps to do it. But you are weak, He delivers you. And I say so. Not because I'm speculating. But I was delivered in the name of Jesus. And you feel so strong in the Lord. That's why Paul said, be strong in the Lord. The Lord's grace will teach you these things. You don't need to commit things. The Lord's grace will teach us you to say no. There's a power in the gospel. And I'm telling you this morning, it is true and it is real. And to live, he said, he teaches you to live a self-control. A self-control, you can do it. You can say no. Don't follow your passions. Don't follow your desires. Speak to the Lord about it. If it is a challenge to you. Whether it's about silver and gold, whether it's about, you know, uh, your moral values, etc. You know, God will help you to say no to it. It teaches you. teaches you. It will give you the ways it will. And if you cannot, he said, I will deliver you if it's beyond your strength. God can do it. I'm challenging you this morning. I'm challenging you. Because I'm challenging myself as well. Yes. Hallelujah. To live a self-control life. Upright. We are not perfect in our ways. And God knows that. But today we say, first have mercy on me. Have mercy on me and God is winning. So today, the wind is blowing. Who is hearing his sound? And say, have mercy upon me, Jesus Christ. It's close. The blind man said, open my eyes. And Jesus wants to open your eyes to cause you to see the kingdom and enter into his kingdom. And today my prayer is, you know, because a very important thing when we receive the spirit of the Lord is like loving waters that will flow from into you to others in the name of Jesus. I don't know if there's anybody that feel the wind has blown through you. And you feel you need to say, have mercy upon me. You're more than welcome to come and say, I want to be saved this morning. I want to meet my Savior. I want to meet my Savior. Hallelujah. For this 12, since my age of 12 years, there's no turning back. I turned last year 50. I look 25, right? <laughs> but since 12 years old, I've served the Lord. And I saw the grace of God. You know, I'm not a T.B. Joshua. I'm not a Prof. Mokwena. Great people. Strong people. I'm Jacobus Hendricks in the name of Jesus, in the Lord. But what I know, I saw the greatness in the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's my wife. She can say, that guy is lying, thrown out here. Amen. Children as well. Because you need to live right first in your family, etc. But I'm challenging you because this is how I met the Lord. And this is what I experienced with the Lord. I'm very, I'm very about character. I'm very about that. You know, because maybe my character was dirty and pure and the Lord have worked a lot on it. And therefore, you know, I like to talk about it. Come guys, let us sing. Let us sing to the Lord. And if there's a person that has hunger and thirst for Jesus and for salvation... You are more than welcome to come.
and serve the Lord. Oh, you are welcome to speak. I don't know how the church operate. Prof. McQuina will do that, etc. But you are more than welcome to give your life to Jesus and to follow in baptism, right? To, to identify with your Savior. The Lord bless in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.